Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated. Well, not the full-on It Is Complicated, the complicated It Is Complicated. So, uh, it's Dr. J here. Hi, I'm Dr. J. Used to as a pronoun. Um, gave myself the job title, Harbinger of Change. Gave myself the gender, transgressive, non-binary, genderqueer. Uh, troublemaker, hashtag queer nuisance, because, you know, branding. Um, I'm here to link into another podcast that I did. Uh, which is about my work, and why are we doing that? And you're like, Jay, why are you doing that? Because last time you hooked into some podcasts, they were those incredibly um, uh, less than precise recordings. Well, this is actually a good recording. Um, less than precise recordings of a panel that you were on, and why do you do these things to us? Because we want to listen to you and Josephine discuss stuff in a really intelligent and intelligible manner, and do those really interesting wide-ranging discussions. So would we. Uh, we are having a time that is known as uh, 2023, um, three years of the pandemic or two years of the pandemic and then a year of trying to cope with the pandemic and things like that has meant that we have life. Life is getting in the way of us recording podcasts at the moment. Um, it is simply nothing horrible, nothing uh, dreadful, nothing for any listener to worry about. Hi, I'm back in your ear holes, by the way. Um, nothing for you to worry about. It is literally just life is making it so that it's really hard for us to get together and record. We've got um, a pile of stuff in the backlog. Uh, we've got some really good interviews that we've recorded. We have some really good episodes that we've done together. We have some plans for some more really good episodes together. In the meantime, I did a podcast with uh, a group called The Product Experience. So this is uh, from Mind the Product. It's about being a business analyst in a product world. It's about, uh, it touches on the that binary notion of there only being one way, everything, it's all subjectivities. All of those words are words that I wanted to use, but because I was in a work context, I couldn't use a lot of queer theory words to describe essentially binaries don't exist it's all subjective and there's about 36 minutes of me chatting to these lovely people about uh, my job and about what it's like being a business analyst working on product and what that means and how that runs about so um, I'm gonna just tag that in here and then I will come on the end and tag a bit on the end and catch up on us on social medias and things like that Hey, Lily, I had an interesting chat today. One of my clients was telling me that they just arranged training for their entire product organization of about 50 people, and they were going to get them taught about how the company actually makes money. Have you ever come across this before? You know, product teams that are maybe great on product theory, but kind of short on understanding their actual company? Uh, wow, no, I haven't. That seems kind of shocking to me. But then I do work in smaller businesses where understanding the business model is sort of fundamental. Although sometimes I have struggled to get close to the details. You know, some founders and CEOs can be a little bit protective of it. <laughs> it's just amazing to me that, you know, basic business analyst skills sometimes get missed as people try to become great product managers without, without mastering all of the basic skills. Well, Randy, you're in luck. We just happen to have a guest today who can tell us all about BAs, why they're so important and how best to work with them. That's Dr. Jay Harrison, a Master BA and Harbinger for Change at ThoughtWorks.
And Lily, I bet you thought that our opening today would have been about the fact that B.A. is short for bad attitude. And that was <laughs> Mr. T's character on the A-team. Or or even that, uh, you know, a, another Dr. J was Julius Irving and one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Obviously, I'm I'm starting to actually mature. Uh, I literally love the A-team and I never knew that B.A. Baracus was bad attitude Baracus. You've taught me something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's stop waffling and get chatting to Dr. J before you make a joke we all regret. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. And there's probably one near you. Dr. J, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the podcast today. It's great to have you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. For anybody in our audience who doesn't know you and doesn't know your name already, can you just give us a quick intro? Uh, What are you up to these days? And how did you get into, I know you're not exactly a product person. I think for our all intents and purposes, or at least for our purposes, you're product adjacent, you're product E. But (laughs) how did you get into this world in the first place? And what are you up to these days? Right. Uh, super fast. Uh, I'm Dr. J or Dr. J Harrison. Use they as a pronoun. Uh, I'm a service designer business analyst type. Um, I got into this wonderful world of analysis, process, product, service type world, mostly analysis from my PhD where I was working on the, well, it used to be really uh, a niche area, but now it, in the last couple of years it's become, uh, people have been asking me a lot. I worked on molecular immunology and how the immune system interacts with other parts of the body. From that, I ended up running a virology lab, uh, an environmental virology lab before I was 30. And then when I jumped out of that, I went into internet help desks and from internet help desks I went into becoming a business analyst for internet help desks and since then I have just spent my life either building call centers or putting in processes for call centers moved to the UK and have since spent my life making help desks and then getting really into the different processes that people use and how to make I describe somebody, I make your stuff just a little bit less shit, um, was, was one of the selling points that I was using at a job fair. But it's very much thinking about um, the processes and people and technology and how those three things fit together. And yes, I do swear slightly more than one should. I'm sure That's you're going to right. just have to deal with that. I'm not very PG-13. I don't think I ever really have been. That's all right. Okay, there's one thing I want to get straight right from the start. And yeah, it's... I want to talk about BAs and product managers because it's kind of a contentious subject sometimes. And I've been in tons of large companies where they go through a process and they say, all right, we're going to be a product company now. We're going to be product-led or or do a product transformation. And they take everyone who used to be a BA and they give them a new title. And they Mm -hmm. say, right, you're a product manager or a product owner now. And then sometimes we also say that product managers should have EA skills and it's one of the things they should do. So let's just Get this straight. Please help me on this. What is actually the role of a BA? So straight is probably not the best thing that I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, 
it breaks down slightly differently on possibly on your focus. Um, I, I consider myself a pure BA. Um, I'm not, I've put the service designer on because that explains a lot of the process work that I do and the way that I think about how the longer value chain fits together. It's not just the piece in the middle, it's how you get there, how you get away from it, how this fits into the entire life cycle journey of what you're doing and things like that. I have found over the years as a pure BA, I've constantly been told that I need to become something else to improve my career. And I've rejected that because I'm always told to be something else. Um, and I think that's a queerness thing and a, and a trans and non-binary thing. You're always told to be something else. So even in my job, I was always told you can't just be a BA, you've got to be something else. And we used to be a project manager and then it became a, a product manager or a product owner. And the, the to me, the viewpoints are slightly different. So my viewpoint is about the value, the value chain, and like I said, that people process technology piece is my sweet spot, but it's also how money flows across that, how value is driven across that in the short and the long term. What is the entire company's value stream? How does that all fit together? What's the value stream of the development department that I'm working in or the technology development department that I'm working in? How does that, how does that deliver value across to the end users, across to the people who are supporting it, across to the company who's wanting to create it, and keeping in mind all of those different pieces and being aware of that huge picture. Now, some might say, well, that's kind of larger project program management, but it's just being aware of all of those pieces with every single decision that you're getting people to make and every single question that you're asking, you're always driving into like, why would somebody use this? What if they, if, if somebody says, I need to see a value on the screen, it's like, well, what are you going to do if you see that? What decision will it drive? Will it make you change the way that you invest? Will it make you change the way that you staff people? Will it make it change the way that you make a decision somewhere? Should always be driven by what people see. And to me, that's kind of the analysis -y style questions that a lot, and it's one of those things, yes, our jobs massively overlap, but also they don't. And I'm, I, I find it really difficult when people say, oh, I've just taken, we've become a product, a product organization. They take all of the BAs and just tell them they're now product owners and don't train them on what the difference is. They don't give them the skills to, to, make that change or they send them on a couple of hours of courses and give them some computer directed stuff to do and everyone then struggles to understand where they fit in the new organization and that's where you that's where I often come in um, working with ThoughtWorks as a consultancy you're often coming in where when things have not gone completely to plan you're the kind we're the kind of people who get bought in it's like we tried to do this transformation it didn't go to plan come in and come in and try to tell us what went wrong and you're like well your product owners don't know what a product owner is and everyone's reinvented it differently every product manager is much the same because you took your program managers and told them now they're product managers mm -hmm. you've tried to do this product focus but you haven't changed how your funding happens so your funding still happens on programs but you're now trying to work on products and that's one of the big things that happens and this is where i think that business analysis skill is analysis it's that pulling everything apart and going, but why, but why, but why on every single piece of the cogwork that 
I don't think a lot of product people do because they're wanting to do the product thing, not this wide analysis thing. But that's just my this is a very queer thing of this is just my view of the world. This is not the only view of the world. There are many other views of the world and it's all subjective. And I think you you know, you're totally right in that there's a lot of overlap in in all of these roles and and I guess different businesses can have slight variations on that as well which makes it even more confusing but if we were going to boil it down to kind of try and make it a bit more simple for for those to understand would you like with project management I always said that's delivering the thing and product management is helping understand what the thing should be so is business analysis kind of defining the thing it's the value of the thing it's looking at the thing and going what value does it provide so it's always got to, for me it's always got to be about what value if if you want to make the thing and if if the project manager wants to make the thing or the delivery manager wants to make the thing happen um and the product manager has an idea of what the thing is it's like but what is the value of the thing what is the value of this piece of the thing if this three or four different ways of doing it. Are the team looking at it from a value structure? Are they going and looking at what's the best long-term, what's extensible, what's going to open other options or are they closing doors technically but also lead to closing doors in terms of product? So it's it's about really understanding where all the value is driven and, and driving down into that. But I'm always about the value, which makes me sound very kind of capitalist, which I'm very not. Because value can be many, many things. And it's knowing the ecosystem that it's going into and understanding where those value drivers are, I think is the business analysis thing. And it's also about getting the right thing done at the right time in the right way. So I think also there's a role of the business analyst on the team about helping the team set their norms and set their behaviours and set their understanding of what we understand to do how we talk about what we do and how we balance out things like our cross-functional requirements, um, tech responsibility, environmental concerns. Are we making something that's eventually going to become evil, way too easy to do? How do you ensure that you're always got the best ideas in mind so that you don't create taps that don't recognize non-white skin, for example? You know, we've all seen those examples of incredibly racist and incredibly sexist tech technologies and to me it's down to it's not just the business analyst but it's down to everyone on the team to be driven to think about those things to to bring in all those points of views and go okay so what is the thing that we're trying to make if this is what the product person wants does that make sense to everybody can we go back and challenge it hey product boy or product person why is this why is this why do you want this is this is this actually going to drive value for the end users? Is this going to fit into the ecosystem? Or is this just the latest bit of wank that somebody's come up with as a technology? <laughs> I'm so sorry. You really, I was trying yeah, to sorry. think of another way of saying it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you are probably going to have to censor okay. this a lot. Well, I'm going to ask you a question to, just to be explicit, but in di a different kind of use of the word explicit in this case. Yeah. Um, I've been in places where, again, where the BAs are seen as like, the uh, uh, kind of similar to expanding on what you were saying a moment ago, making sure there's no unintended consequences of every of anything, hmm. which also kind of means 
writing all the acceptance criteria, writing all the things that make sense, which kind of puts them in the place of in some in some companies, as I've seen it, as kind of the junior product manager, as in you're the person who writes the Jira cards and does all the details and all that. Does that make sense? Is that what the job is? Or is that oh, no. a total misunderstanding? No, no, no. But it's the BA's role to ensure that that happens. So I always kind of play the Yoda. You, do, you, you, you never, a BA never prioritizes. A BA never writes an acceptance criteria. A BA never decides that the testing strategy. They just ensure that everything is prioritized, that there is acceptance criteria that meet the testing strategy. You just ensure that it's all there. And yes, there is that view of being a wall monkey. And I think the BA, it's almost like the BAs have had the worst of the kind of marketing around their role for so long. And that, yes, sometimes I have to, I write stories and I enjoy writing stories. I enjoy, but I also slice them so fine that, that they are there as a placeholder for a conversation. And it shouldn't be a huge, ginormous five-page list of acceptance criteria. If it's more than three acceptance criteria, I often say to other BAs that I'm working with, could we slice the story another way? Why are we? Why is it so hard to test the story? Because as you develop the story, as you slice it out, you should be talking with the development team to say, so how would we put this in? And then how would we test that we got it in? And that is helping you understand how you would look for it, how you would test it, which helps you write your acceptance criteria, but also helps you see that you've got it small enough. Because I'm all about writing, I call them atomic stories, tiny, tiny, tiny stories that just everything provides some value and is discreet and all the things, all the invest principles and all of that, but they stack up very nicely into building the feature. And it's, it's, it's about ensuring those conversations happen, not about doing the work, if that makes sense. So it, it, it's, it's almost like you're not really, a BA never does. They just take notes of it, of it actually happening. And it's running those conversations. It's, it's, it's also finagling those conversations because sometimes those technical conversations can get really full on as to if there's two or three different ways of putting out a story of building a feature and it's ensuring that everyone on the team gets together and gets a chance to share those repoints and then you then know the way forward. You don't constantly have this trying to change the tech strategy with every story. It's recognizing when you're going to run into that and kind of breaking it down. So you're a, a wrangler, a finangler. Um, an enabler rather than you're not just a story monkey. You know, moving the card across the board is the least is the least of my things. I still have a drawer full of index cards and I use them occasionally because your story should fit on an index card. If it can't be written on an index card, it's too it's too big. And I also have a trick of putting all the context in the top. Because if I, if I say, as a user, I've got to put a lot of work into describing the rest of the, of the story. If I say, as a user wanting to register and coming to the site for the first time, I want to give you my email address so that I can be updated. Just create such a nice, tiny little story mm. that 
everyone everyone knows okay we need an email address field fantastic right off we go um and it gives you those starting points without having to kind of go deep and i know that i've gone into specifics but it's kind of like trying to break it down it's really difficult because it's not a binary nothing is ever a binary even in code <laughs> um and so how do you like to work with product managers how do you um like both support each other in the the roles that you're playing within the team um so with the current team that i'm working with i'm working as kind of like the strategy analyst and i've got i'm i'm working with a a ba and two product owners so it's kind of like setting the long-term vision and looking at the future stuff as, as where I'm currently playing. The product owners, product managers, are then f taking that down into those smaller bets and figuring out what's next, what's the priority, what's going what's gonna to give value, what are the kind of hypotheses that we need to play out, what do we need to research and what don't we need to do. And then the business analyst is very much, okay, so we've got this research, we've got this UI description, and we've got this notion of how we might do it. So let's get the team together and figure out, do we have enough to start breaking this down? Let's break it down into some reasonable stories. Let's break it down into things that we can start going off and doing Cody Cody stuff with. And then once we've got Cody Cody stuff, can we test that we've done it? Because we're, we're running with no quality analyst, which various people find very weird on the team but it's about having the entire team think about how to test it the different ways that we might test it all the time like right from the very start if i'm even if i'm looking at a big strategy thing how do i know that i'm going in the right area how am i going to test the strategy how are we going to test our hypotheses how are we going to test that it's this part of the feature not that part of the feature that should be prioritized and then when you get it down into the user research how do you test it with users do, do you do card sorting? Do you do one-to-ones? And then it becomes, how do you test, how do you test it Cody Cody type? So you, your tech team can look at how they're going to deliver it and how do they test the different ways of doing it? How do you, how do you cope with those arguments of, you know, because there's always at least six different ways of Cody Cody makey stuff. And it's about the team being able to contribute and think of the best ways of doing it. What one person thinks is really complicated, another person goes, oh, actually, if you think about it this way round, this might actually be a really simple two-line piece of code thing. Let's go away and, and run a spike if that's actually possible. Real story from, from this current statement of work that I'm working on. Something we thought could be done incredibly complicated. Somebody's gone, actually, if we, if we look at it this way round and do this, which was a completely unexpected way of thinking. It might just be a couple of lines of code. Let's just go off and, check and test that. And I'm like, wow, I know that I write really bizarre statements of work, but to have a statement of work that's literally about writing two lines of code is insane. But it's also having somebody, giving somebody the space to have that time to think about it from that weird angle and getting them to, to communicate that. That's part of that BA role. But it's also part of that whole strategy role as well of is this kind of layering it down. Is this something that you need to have a dedicated person as the BA doing? Or is it something that uh, 
is it a, a, a skill set within the team that other people can make up? Ah, because this is fun because our BA, our dedicated BA is about to be off for a month. So we're trying to cover it with both our product owner who was a BA and myself who, who can play BA. So you've got us playing BA, we've got a delivery manager who can also do some BAing. So between the three of us, we're going to work with the team. It doesn't need to be a dedicated role. I think there's enough work in there that it should be if you're on a team with more than about two pairs. If you're on a team with less than two pairs, one of the other people on the team or the team can cover it as part of what they do. But it's having that mindset of break things down, look for the value. How do you describe the value? And I've taken some of this way of thinking to a team that was essentially three people who were working on a little skunk works corner and they didn't, they didn't need a BA, but it was, okay, so here's what they wanted was some ideas on breaking down stories. So I went in with them and took them through how to break, how I break down a story and gave them some examples. Um, and with them, we built our login, logging in, registering and logging in is kind of one of those things of pretty much every single project wants you to do it, eh? So you just kind of, if you've got a standard set of stories or a standard structure for stories, it can give people a kind of idea. So me and another BA spent some time just very quickly building out what they would need as a, as a register login set. So they had it to play with. We could take it away and use it on other projects. And it also gave them a structure for, so they could see an example of how to break it down. And they then use that for the rest of their projects. But it's giving, it's enabling people. It's giving people the skills and not just saying, go go on, be a BA, write a story. It, it looks really easy. It's not. And it's like saying, well, product's really easy. You just decide, you just prioritize what you're going to do. How do you know what you're going to do? How do you know what to look at? How do you know what your users are going to like? How do you know what, what users are crying out for or saying, hey, I totally need this? And you're like, do you really? Do you need a faster horse or would you like a car? Or would you just like a bigger horse? And it's trying to understand. And I think those nuances are all about those different roles. Sorry, I know that I can be quite elliptical when I talk. So I'm looking at you both going, have I have I ellipted around, circled around the point enough that I've landed on it? Or you're like, whoa, where have we gone? Why are we talking crocodiles? Actually, so at the beginning of, of that answer, you said something about uh, being on a team with uh, more than two peers. I just want to make sure that everyone understands what you mean by that. because uh, Oh, two product could... owners. So it was two product owners. So um, we've got a lead product owner but there's their first time of being a product owner. So we're kind of pairing on the role to give them a lot of coaching on being a product owner, helping them build an outcome-based strategy using a lean value tree and looking at outcomes and hypotheses and um, using some of the work, um, what is it called? The Lean Experimentation Book, I think it's called. I'll, I'll send you the link because it's one of the, it's a short little hundred. 120 page read that really clearly explains how to build these lean hypotheses with some ideas on it and it's just a really good way of getting somebody to think about okay so if we need to understand the desire for this how do we quickly test it what's it what's a quick and dirty hypothesis do we just go and talk to five people do we choose 
And if we choose the right five, pe five people, can we get enough information to know whether or not to do this? Um, or where it sits in our priority? Is it a now, a next, or is it a sometime later type thing? This is a great idea, but there really is no need for it right now. We'll just keep it in the later bin until it bubbles through, until we get proof that it's actually wanted. So there's a lot of that. So yeah, it's two product owners um, working in a pairing to ensure that there's a lot of coaching there just to help somebody get up through the the skills and all of the fine pieces of learning how to do the role and the thinking behind it, especially when you've got lots of computer-based training and go do this course and then you're expected to suddenly apply it and the real world is never like the training scenarios. You've got uh, the system that I'm currently working on is a data set that is, uh, it, it, it's, it was born in the 2000s. I can now literally take it for a drink down the pub. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, it runs the public transport uh, technology for the entirety of the UK. But it is used on a day-to-day -day basis by about 200 people. So it's a really tricky ecosystem to play with. It's a really tricky system to play with. And you've got to be thinking about things in some quite different ways. So having that pairing helps, is helping somebody take it from theoretical knowledge into something that's a little bit more based on the reality. Um, mm. And it's, it's kind of unusual to have two product owners. We will hopefully end up with one in a couple of months time, but it's giving somebody those skills and that enablement to look at how they do this. And I mean, both of them are just getting on like a house on fire. And it's actually really good to have two minds looking at every prioritization decision and challenging each other as to whether they're making the right decision, because that's also really interesting. And just thinking about that sort of role of the BA again, are there particular products that require a BA more so than others? Do, you know, do they tend to be sort of more complex technologies or um, or is it more of a case of it just depends on the shape of your team and the, the BA skills of the product manager that you've got and, and that kind of thing? I think it's, it's an, it depends. And I think it's a lot more on the team. I know that a lot of teams talk about not needing a BA on a technical, on something somebody has called a technical product or somebody has called, oh, this is just a tech, a technology change. But that technology change will always change the processes, will always change the product, will always change because it will change the product and what it can do in the future. It will change the product in terms of its stability or something like that. It will, it, so every technology change will have a value somewhere. And you, it's, to me, it's important to have BAs even in those situations because they enable people to have those wider discussions of if there's three choices of tech, which one do we go for? I mean, literally, you can sit there and go AWS, Google Cloud, or uh, the Microsoft one, Azure. And just having that discussion, you can you can break it down. Dr. Jake, a lot of us have never had a BA on our team, and it sounds like it would be a great thing if we had the luxury, if we were able to make the case for it. But if I'm hiring someone for the first time, how do I know what to look for? How do I know what a good person is to bring onto my team? Um, well, they've got to fit with your team, obviously. They've got to, you, but you also want to bring in that, that diversity, that diversity of thought, that diversity of experience. Um, I look for mindset. I look for somebody who's got the right 
way of thinking rather than has done it before because you can have done it for 10 years and still and have done it wrong for 10 years if that makes sense and not be curious it's about being curious it's about thinking structurally around processes and thinking how does this fit in with everything else that's going on um and how does this fit in across the entire life cycle of the system where does the money flow all of those things that i answered previously about a ba i think it's also about making sure whoever you hire especially when you're hiring somebody who's diverse somebody who's different somebody who's maybe not been a ba before how you bring them into the team and how you ensure that they're included how you make your team better by building your team together rather than having an outsider and then dropping them in and going, go on, everyone, everybody get together without kind of promoting that inclusion or that inclusivity, which is kind of like inclusive teams deliver, which we'll talk about next time, perhaps, if, I, if, you, if you have me back. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just going to say, we would love to have you back to talk more in depth about that topic. Um, I think we probably have time for just one more question um, before we have to wrap it up on, on this topic about BAs. If, uh, if you were going to kind of offer some advice to someone who was considering the BA role and who thought that that was the, the path for them, uh, what advice would you give them? Ooh, um, so you don't have to be anything other than a BA to be a BA. Being a BA is about thinking curiously, thinking sometimes holistically. And it's hard to say you're thinking holistically when you are building a login page, for example. You're, but it's like asking the questions, why do I want to collect this person's data? Is Am I going to secure this person's data correctly? So it's do I have the process in place to remove this person's data? If they tell me, actually, I'd like to remove my data, just thinking about those small things when somebody says, I suddenly want people to log in to view something, it's like, but why? And just asking, but why? Um, being confident in doing that. It is a role in and of itself. I know that the market has a tendency to throw people who are BAs and say, oh, you're just a board monkey or you're just this and you need to become a product owner or product manager to have a career. I am proof positive that you do not. Despite me throwing the service designer at the front, that is simply me trying to explain to people all the work that I do around the process side, all the work that I do around that thinking that I do around the entirety of the service the the start to finish of 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 how somebody will use this thing that's kind of part of where my thinking goes and that was kind of the shorthand to say to somebody look i'm going to think about how this company makes money and also how this company will die or be sold or become a trillion a trillion dollar company all of those things are an end point so how, how will this product end Will it fire into the sun? Will it end only when um, the when dinosaurs return? You know, all of those all of those things are those questions that you kind of need to take into consideration. If you've got the kind of brain that does that, yeah, you can be a BA forever. <laughs> and it is, it, and you don't have to change who you are. You don't have to suddenly go, oh, I've got to call myself a a product person to get ahead. 
uh, although, you know, I did give myself a job title that was Harbinger of Change. And I did that because some of the places that I was going into as a consultant for ThoughtWorks, they were very against having a business analyst. And they were like, we don't want no business analyst. We want a product owner. And I'd be just like, but you're asking me everything about the role is business analysis. You've just put product person on the top. And that mm. is also one of the things that I think we're struggling against of people will literally write a business analyst role and then go, oh, no, I can't hire any BAs. Okay, we'll call it product owner. And it's just like that isn't a proper product owner role. That isn't giving somebody the agency and autonomy to make those feature decisions and to go out and understand the market and all of that. You're literally just asking somebody to do that very core piece of analysis, which is generally it, you've described a BA role and just put product on top as a find replace product owner as a find replace product owner as a find replace product owner slash analyst. Um, you know, and, and it is that it is that. Um, so be aware that those jobs are out there. And I mean, as somebody who screams about not being a product person, I know that I do a lot of stuff that is kind of a bit producty, but it's comes in with a different lens and it's mm. having that, that slightly different lens, that slightly different way of thinking about it is, is, is the juicy stuff that you will bring to the role. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to hear all about business analysis and clearly you're very passionate about it. So um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Ah, no worries. Thank you for having me. I've really, really enjoyed this and I look forward to coming along and ranting at you again. Yes, Sorry. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> The product experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. So um, now you've listened to me talk about work in supposedly a sensible way. Um, it's not too bad. I'm quite proud of it as a, as a podcast and as a discussion. Um, as another one, there was one I did about a year and a half ago. I'm going to find the recording of that and drop that in. Um, this is kind of, we know that you miss us. We know that you are missing hearing us both talk. Um, I'm sure Josephine's done some podcasting or done some stuff that's been recorded. I will also find that and drop that in. These are kind of going to be the irregular, complex, it is complicated, more complicated than usual podcasts because it's 
us talking in slightly different modes and in slightly different places. Uh, so what else do I need to talk about? Oh, yes. Um, Twitter. Oh, dear, 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 dear. We are no longer on Twitter. Don't worry, my dears. Um, we are on Mastodon somewhere, but um, honestly, it's me and I had a moment and I know that we have a Mastodon somewhere. Do you think I can find it? Do you think I can? Um, what I'm also going to do is put this episode out using threads, uh, which is essentially the Fidiverse or Mastodon um, tied up by Meta. It's a Meta Mastodon hybrid thingy. Um, again, binaries and subjectivities. Um, hopefully this will get out into a trans positive and a friendly environment. Um, also, I hope that you don't mind these kind of random dropped in bits. Um, we still are all about doing that high quality stuff. We want good high quality discussions, good high quality recordings in your ear holes so that you can listen to them, so that you can digest them. Um, so that you can understand what we're saying and you can get an idea of how we are taking complex things and making it less complex. Um, there is no rant about Keanu Reeves at the moment because quite frankly my life has been my life and I actually haven't had a chance to watch anywhere near as much Keanu Reeves as I would like. Um, I am so far behind that I think in at least one of the interviews we ha I had to admit that I was out of Keanu Reeves things that I had watched because I just haven't had the time to sit and watch a Keanu Reeves thing. Now that is a sign of what 2023 is like. When 2023 is hitting you so hard that you are not able to watch a Keanu Reeves movie to rave about the next time you catch up because Keanu Reeves is breathtaking. Let's admit it. He is a wonderful person. Let's also admit that. We would love to have him on the podcast. Let's really admit that. Um, when you're just not able to watch any of his movies because you just don't can't get the time and the brain space, that says a lot about what 2023 is like. So uh, I'm going to end this here. Um, I'm going to throw this together. Um, this has been a complicated, complicated, more complicated than usual complicated. It is complicated. Uh, <laughs> and we look forward to seeing you next time. And I am going to say we would like it to be a regular episode or we would like it to be an interview. It may very well be another one of these in about a month or so's time where I've managed to put together some bits that I've found of us being recorded and talking in other places um, so that we uh, continue to be the fabulous, complex people that we are. Um, it is lovely to know that you're out there. Um, I also just want to say, oh, yes, thank you to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. That does actually mean a lot. The support you've given on Patreon has meant that all of the people that we have interviewed, I've been able to pay them instantly, no problems. I've just been able to go, yep, we've got money in the bank and I can pay you for your time because everybody deserves to be paid for their time. Where people haven't wanted to have declined to be paid, we have taken the money with their agreement and giving it and given it to um, an LGBTQ plus charity or or as the kids on TikTok say, Algebataqua charity um, called the Outside Project, which works with um, homeless LGBTQ plus IA people and because especially in times like this, we the pressures on 
as uh, generally slightly more than the pressures on the more normative parts of the world and intersectionally we are hit and we are hit harder and our housing becomes more precarious. Um, is there anything else that I should say? No, I will talk to you later. Farewell.